walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. It's the hardest. Walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. Yeah, get your boots ready. We're about to go on a trip where we wrestle nobody settling or calling it quits. You're here for the grit, betcha this stuff is amazing. You're stumbling, welcome to the bump in the apron. Step into it, the hardest part of the ring. Here to bring fun, yeah, in this art he is king. It's the best thing, making sure you don't tap out. Don't go soft with the hardest part cast out. And it's not just another one, it's clear. Off the rest, in this content, none can test. Take the nonsense off the steps. You know it's nothing but Pure gems when it's coming off the chest. Get it? Now it's time to sit and relax. Get your mind blown away. Ain't no skipping this track. Have you paid more attention? No listening gap. Get everything I ever wanted. No giving it back. Yeah. Ooh. What's up, everybody? Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Apron Bump Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle, the hardest part of the ring. How's everybody doing today? Hope everybody's doing well. Both uh, here in America and across the pond. Nowhere else, though, you know. Uh, well, I guess you would have to be America or across the pond. Well, I guess that you know Mexico. Mexico wouldn't be across the pond, nor, nor Canada, really. So I guess fuck Canada and Mexico, but everybody else, I hope you're doing well. Is what I said there, I guess. We'll roll with it. We'll roll with it. How's everybody doing today? Hello, hello, hello. Or should I say, good day, mate? Because we're uh, we're talking about some progress wrestling from you. <laughs> Sometimes I just say things to uh, to trigger the British people. I know that's not how you guys say hello. Bonjour, everybody. Bonjour. We're we're, we're talking some progress wrestling today, as per the title. You knew it. You love it. We're talking about two chapters today. Double stuffing. You're, we're, we're double and no guests either. So I guess I'm getting double stuffed today. So chapter 28, chapter 29. This is what we'll be covering on today's episode. Why are we covering two chapters? Well, if, you, uh, if you're a frequent listener or semi-frequent listener, of the Apron Bump podcast, you might uh, you might be familiar with my Ring of Honor reviews and what I've done the past I don't know past year or so. As if uh, you know, Ring of Honor, if they had more than one show in a month, we would just cover those all those shows in the month, then kind of take a more macro look at it, take a more general, a little bit of a different format, just kind of taking a more of a general look, talking about the key bullet points, talking about threads that occurred through all the shows during that month and we're going to do a similar thing for progress here and i think a, 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 the the general theme here for these two chapters and it's actually I'm, I'm glad that these two chapters fell in this month because there's stories being told within these two months and there's a theme throughout these two months that basically progress progress is expanding progress is 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 doing big things. They're uh they're making moves. They're um expanding globally. They're expanding from within. They're they're creating more um I guess I'll just say it now. More titles, more championships, more divisions. 
And uh, this is a big time for Progress Wrestling here in uh, the spring of 2016. So good time to jump on the Progress Train if, you, um, if you're not familiar with my Progress Reviews. And hey, if you want to take a gander, if you want to jump on the train from the beginning, you want to journey through Chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, all the way through now, Chapter 28 and 29, you can go to apronbump.com and you can go to the Episodes tab. And uh, you can select Progress Wrestling, and I'll bring you to all of the progress reviews I've done chronologically through all the chapters. Binge away, because if you're not familiar, I, like, I've, I never, this is my first time watching Progress. You're going you're gonna to hear my recap and review as a first time viewer, and um, you're going to hear me figure some things out. And we're going to talk about some stuff that, um, how how my mindset has evolved over time in terms of progress, but Check out those episodes. Love me some progress wrestling. And from what I've because I don't really know what happens after this, but from what I've heard from uh, progress aficionados, um, this is probably the best era of progress. Now, whether that's true or not remains to be seen. That's why we're on the train uh, throughout all these chapters. But check it out. Check this out. You already hit play. So thanks for that. But uh, yeah, so chapter 28 occurring on. April 10th, 2016, and we got chapter 29 occurring on April 24th. So just a few weeks in between these shows. The first show from Manchester, the second show from London. But lots of things tie in between these two shows, which we will get into. Like I said, new championships being introduced, new divisions being introduced, collaborations with WWE progressing. We got the natural progression series finals uh, occurring during this month that we'll cover titles be being defended at WrestleCon. So now the progress championship is now a world championship. Not to mention, we got a lot of debuts during this month. We got tournament matches, lots going on, lots going on, and we will get into it. But first we got to, uh, unfortunately kind of start this on a, somber note so well, i've talked about it in the podcast a lot of you are probably familiar well, most of you probably are especially if you're you know if you're in tune with the british wrestling scene chris travis so chris travis uh, of project ego fame so uh him and martin kirby uh were a team went by project ego all around the all around europe they were competing made a great tag team really charismatic um, but unfortunately, Chris Travis um, ended up getting stomach cancer around uh, it was like late 2014. Ended up making a brief comeback. We covered it a few chapters ago. He had a match against Marty Skrull. Uh, but unfortunately, that was his last match because uh, March 31st, 2016. Unfortunately, Chris Travis passed away uh, due to this cancer coming back and. So, like, like it's it's tough to do this uh, the condolences thing. Like, what seven years after the fact? And it's a unique situation because. So when I first started covering progress, um, I try to stay dark about things that happen in the future. I don't want any spoilers. I don't want to know who goes where, who does what. I'm, I'm experiencing this for the first time. I want to kind of acknowledge it with with clear eyes, with first time eyes. So the first few chapters, right? Project Ego was a very prominent part of progress. 
And you could go back and listen to those episodes, man. I am I am super, super high on Chris Travis, Martin Kirby. I'm talking about how charismatic they are, how talented they are, how they got like this. I even think I say something along the lines in those first few chapters along like, man, they're, these guys are the future. Like, I, I'm, I'm wondering why they haven't been signed to WWE or AEW. Like, I'm I'm having all these thoughts right in the beginning. And I think it's around like my chapter 11 review that I that I learned that Chris Travis ended up passing away in 2016. But I, I didn't know that. So the first 10 chapters, I don't know that Chris Travis died. So you can hear my because we unfortunately, like as as a society, we tend to kind of maybe exaggerate the talent of certain not just wrestling, just anybody, any like musicians, athletes, whatever it is. Right. We tend to speak with very rose colored glasses. Is that how you use that phrase? When people die, it's like, oh, they were the best at this. They were so great. But I'm speaking with 100% honest um, perspective because I didn't know he died. And I'm speaking of Chris Travis. So all of that to say is, is Chris Travis, super, super talented guy, especially in stuff like in addition to the progress reviews that I've been covering. I also have been watching Rev Pro. I've been watching uh, OTT, which I don't know if Chris Travis ever was there. But Rev Pro, him and Martin Kirby were were super prominent there because in progress, they were almost more so like a comedy act. They had a few serious matches, but for the most part, they were kind of the lighthearted tag team in progress. But Rev Pro recently, I've been watching some of their stuff and they are dude. the matches they had with the London riots, the Hunter brothers with uh, Zack Sabre Jr. and Marty Skrull. They were it opened my eyes to the ability in ring of project ego and Chris Travis in particular, just so charismatic, just pops off the screen. Obviously never met him. I don't know. I'm not going to pretend like I know his personality, but in terms of what has come out afterwards, it seems like he was a solid, solid dude, a really bright spot in, uh, in professional wrestling. So the rest in peace, Chris Travis is what I'm saying here. Um, it's like I said, it's weird to give condolences seven years after the fact, but, um, it's, it just, man, I mean, when he passed, there was an outpouring like Drew McIntyre, MVP, Chris Masters, X-Pac, I think even, even Cody Rhodes and Tommaso Ciampa, they started a, uh, a charity campaign. They, they, they basically created a, a T-shirt and then all the 100% of the proceeds went to Cavendish Cancer Care. I believe I'm pronouncing that right. So, But just those names, right, that the outpouring of love and support for Chris Travis, that just goes to show the impact he had on wrestling. So um, super sad. I mean, the show, Chapter 28, starts out with his music playing. They got the pink hue over the the the, the arena. Because that was, you know, Chris Travis was very was known for wearing the pink and black. So that that's how, kind of how we get underway. Kind of like I said, kind of a somber note, unfortunately. But just wanted to give my uh, show my love for Chris Travis because I was I was a huge huge fan of his work, and I strongly recommend you go back and check out uh, some of his matches. Him and him and Martin Kirby were a special tag team, man, and that definitely uh, it left a void in the tag. Just the tag title scene in British wrestling, but we'll we'll go on to see. We'll talk about some tag teams 
in these upcoming chapters that will attempt to fill that void. But with that, we got happier things to talk about. Um, Progress Wrestling, like I said, this is a big, big time for them. Lots of changes, lots of upgrades, lots of uh, progression. Huh? Who's with me? Company's name Progress. Uh, so I'm going to lay out. So I'll just lay out what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the debuts. We're going to talk about some debuts. We're going to talk about WWE Cruiserweight Classic qualifiers occurring on these chapters. We're going to talk about the Atlas Championship, a new title they're introducing. We're going to see some tournament matches on these chapters. We're going to hear about the introduction of the Progress Women's Championship and some of the build towards that. We got the Natural Progression Series Finals occurring. We got Damon Moser versus Jesus. We got the tag team titles being defended. We got the Origin, the tag team champions in action. They got some... Um, they, they defend the titles. And there's some other uh, extracurriculars <laughs> going on there. But we got, we got the tag team title scene having a lot of a lot of move, moving parts there. And we also, of course, got the Progress World title to talk about. We got a new challenger appearing here to challenge Marty Skrull, but we will get into that later in the podcast. But let's start out in terms of, you know, I brought up Project Ego and the void that they left, allowing an opportunity for certain teams to step up. And we got a special team here. I don't know if you've heard of them. We got Mustache Mountain debuting on Chapter 28, the team of Tyler Bate and Trent Seven. So we've seen Tyler Bate in the past. He was a part of the Natural Progression series. But uh, Trent Seven making his progress debut here. And that team is taking on the Dunn brothers. Damian Dunn and Pete Dunn. Now, we got a lot to talk about with Pete Dunne, but uh, yeah, British strong style fully represented in this opening tag match here. So it should be said that Pete Dunne hasn't been in progress, hasn't appeared since chapter 15, which I didn't realize it had been that long, which it's going to be, what, two years or something? But uh, he was a very, very different person last time he was in progress. He was the uh, dynamite Pete Dunne, I believe was his nickname. He had like the long tights. He had the short hair. It was a little bit, um, his style was just different. He was, I don't want to say he was generic, but he definitely was not the bruiser weight. But here in April of 2016, we are full bruiser weight mode. He's got the look, he's got the top knot, he's got the singlet, and more importantly, he's got the attitude. It's, it's, it's incredible, like, how like a switch I mean, I guess it's been a, a long time since he was last there, but he's it's just crazy how he's like how quickly he found himself, because I mean, he's like my words can't do it justice, like how how much he has evolved over these chapters. He's doing like all the finger manipulation. He has like he just has like a confidence here in chapter 28 that he did not have in chapter 15. So it's been fun seeing his evolution. And uh, he'll go on to be a more significant part of progress, from what I understand. So, but cool to see kind of the beginnings of the bruiserweight here. Even though the crowd doesn't really think so. They're calling him a top-knot wanker, which I think is a bit disrespectful. But 
Bruce Wade here is teaming with Damien Dunn, who, uh, again, from what I understand, goes under some character changes of him for, for himself going forward. But as of right now, he's still kind of uh, he's a wrestler. I don't know. He's just kind of just he's a wrestler. I don't know. Nothing much to him. But like I said, I think he finds himself later on. But the match itself, man, I mean, it's, it's a fun opener. We got fun double teams from uh, Trent Seven, Tyler Bates. They do the old uh, double suplex. So Trent Seven will have them. I think he had Damien in a stalling suplex. He walks around the ring with them. He tags in Tyler Bate with it while keeping them up. Hands them off to Tyler. And then Tyler does the same thing. Like Damien Dunn is upside down for goddamn two minutes. <laughs> so we had some fun double team moves there. Uh, Tyler Bate at one point, like Trent Seven gets on all fours. And then Tyler Bate like stands on Seven's back to try to choke slam Damian Dunn. And he lifts him up, but Pete Dunn like catches Damian like on his shoulders to try to save him. And then they like play chicken or whatever the hell. And then Trent chops Damian and forces him to poison Rana. Pete Dunn. It's probably very confusing how I'm describing it, but it was just a sick double team. Trent Seven bust. I'm watching Trent Seven here, man. It's very clear that he was influenced by Samoa Joe because all like the suplexes and the heavy strikes he's throwing. Super, super talented dude. Very young here. That, that's a common thing. Like Tyler Pate, Trent Seven, Pete Dunn all look super young here. Um, and ultimately, Pete Dunn hits Trent Seven with the bitter end for the win, which again, I don't even think that was his finisher last we saw him. So, so the, the Dunn brothers get the win here in a fun match. You know, you have everybody kind of getting their shine towards the end. Everybody's like throwing out their finishers. Uh, Trent seven hits like a spinning pile driver onto Pete Dunn. You have Tyler Bate doing the airplane spin. Damian Dunn doing the Yavada Kadavra. I think it's called. It's like a springboard code breaker of sorts, but Pete Dunn gets the win here. Ultimately, and it's just a really good introduction to Mustache Mountain, I thought, here. The crowd was really into them. Also a good introduction to the new Pete Dunn. You can kind of see why he would be so successful going forward, because he just he, he came off like a star. As, 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 I know I'm kind of gushing over him, but he really did. He came off like he's just very unique. The confidence was was most striking to me. Like he's, he, the new moves, the new aesthetic. That's one thing. He clearly had like a sense of confidence that I know I've been watching a little bit of OTT and he's, he's very big over there. So maybe that was um, the catalyst for that change. But whatever it is, we got Bruiserweight here and that's what daddy likes. So so outside of that, a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about where it's very tournament heavy, very championship heavy. Um, but a big thing for progress here. So we got the Cruiserweight Classic about to kick off in WWE. And if you... First of all, if you, if you haven't watched the Cruiserweight Classic, you need to go back and watch it. Because that's, if we're talking about like just pure in-ring, that's probably the best tournament WWE has ever done. Like the, the international talent, the, the, just the breadth and depth of talent that they had in that tournament was amazing. And uh, the theme of that was every, they had, you know, countries, different countries were represented. I don't know if it was two for each country or what, but um they were pulling from different countries, from different independents all over the world. And uh, England is included here. So Progress is going to produce two competitors for the Cruiserweight Classic. Now, if you've already seen the Cruiserweight Classic, 
you know who it is, but we're going to talk about how these guys qualified here in some pretty good matches here. So it was funny. So in between these matches, you have Jim Smallman, who is the uh, co-owner of Progress at this point. He's also the ring announcer. So <laughs> so these Cruiserweight Classic matches are going to be re- released by WWE. I can't remember if it's like on the network or on their website, whatever the case may be. WWE is going to be showcasing these matches here as, as provided by WWE. So <laughs> Jim Smallman, and we've talked about it on the podcast, but if you've ever watched Progress, you're very aware of this. The Progress crowd. Right. And some some guests have not <laughs> enjoyed their chance, but um, they can be a bit salty, perhaps would be the word for it. Lots of uh, um, let's just say there's a few more cunts thrown out by the progress crowd than, say, a WWE crowd. <laughs> so Jim Small is just a funny like, you know what? I'm just going li- to. Li- so here's Jim Smallman. Uh maneuver trying to figure out how to ask the crowd to not swear obviously we're filming two wwe global cruiserweight series matches today okay now it's very important one of the main reasons we were chosen for these matches is because you know the atmosphere that you guys provide is absolutely amazing and that's brilliant however how can i put this are going to end up on WWE.com, okay? That's very important. And it's tremendously important for the growth of our company and for the growth of British wrestling that the whole match can be used. So what I'm essentially saying is, maybe rating use of the word cunt a little bit. are bloody and sore would make us look great anyway make the wrestlers look great and make Britain look great so if you can do that that'd be super and once those matches are out the way literally we'll just have a big old swear just to get it out of our system but if you wouldn't mind it would really really help us out as a company I feel like a bit of a dick asking you it but I've got a, you understand right you understand why this is important so rain and cunt a little bit <laughs> this is so funny but um, the crowd respects that request. There's a big uh, frick em up. Well, let me let me let me talk about who who who's who's re, who's even wrestling. What the hardest part of the ring? Why don't you tell us? Well, the first of two qualifying matches for the Cruiserweight Classic, we got Zack Saber Jr. versus Flash Morgan Webster. There's a big frick em up, Saber frick em up. <laughs> Seth Rollins would love that probably. Um, but really solid match here. I mean, it's pretty much what you would expect. You got Zack Sabre Jr. controlling a lot of the match with his submissions and kicks. I mean, there's one point where Zack, like, he bends Flash, like, backwards to where his, like, ankle is, like, almost kicking the back of his head. Like, he is just tearing this boy up, folding him up into a pretzel. Uh, but Flash makes a comeback. Utilizing his high flying here, flashes. He hits three suicide dives in a row and then a fourth tope. So, really getting the crowd into it. 
Goes for the 450, misses, rolls through, tries to do like Flash tries to do like a wheelbarrow bulldog of sorts, but Zach catches him. He's like holding up as he's and then he like hooks his arms to do a tiger suplex and just whips him back, drops him neck first with a tiger suplex, tries to lo- and then Zach tries to lock in a submission, but Flash rolls through. Tries to hit a shooting star press, but Zach catches him in an arm bar. Flash rolls out into a pin for a two count. So a lot of back and forth counter wrestling here, which is really fun. Really representative of the British kind of style. You have Zach with the more classics, mission based grappling. You have Flash representing the more new age high flying style with a lot of, you know, heavy strikes. Back and forth or trading roll ups. Ultimately, though, Flash goes for a 450, but Zach gets his knees up to block it and then locks in a submission. So the only way I can describe this, and you know, Zach Sabre Jr., he just he doesn't really have like a finisher. Like he just kind of grabs the opponent and bends his limbs until they tap, which is something I really like about Zack Sabre Jr. is why he's so unique. But the finisher he uses to to get the win here. All I can, the only way I could describe it is he shoves Flash's head up his own ass and then grabs Flash's arms and pulls them back. Like, so Zach is sitting, so Flash is sitting on his ass, bent forward. Zach sits on his back to force his head down while pulling his arms up. And that gets the submission. So, kind of sexual, kind of hot, but also kind of brutal, which is uh, kind of my style. But. Zack Sabre Jr. gets the win here and moves on to compete in the Cruiserweight Classic. And I think he would even make it to like the semifinals, if I remember correctly. So he would go on to have a really good showing. So um, but that's this is how he gets there. So but the second of two qualifying matches for the Cruiserweight Classic, we got Jack Gallagher. And by the way, I should say these Cruiserweight qualifiers, they're on night two. So the second of these two matches, Jack Gallagher versus the bruiserweight pete dunn so pete dunn he won his tag match on night one night two which i say night two but it's two weeks later um so pete dunn is back and now he has an opportunity to qualify for this cruiserweight classic now you see you see pete dunn he's a big part of that he's on smackdown every week as butch so you might be thinking man this is how Pete Dunne gets his introdu- introduction to WWE. Well, my good sir or madam, you would be wrong because Jack Gallagher gets the win here in a uh, another fun match. A fun, I described this match as a fun struggle of a match. It wasn't, because you know these two, if you guys know Jack Gallagher and Pete Dunne, you know their styles, you can kind of ascertain how this goes. It's very like grapple heavy. A lot of submissions, a lot of manipulation of limbs and digits. Just a brutal, brutal match. I think very represent, representative of the British um, wrestling style. And by the way, speaking of representative of British, I, I think it's hilarious how they just get the most cartoonish British people to represent them in the cruise. He's got Jack Gallagher. He's got the goofy mustache and the he comes out to the, you know, the... So it's like you got that guy and you got Zack Sabre Jr. who comes out with a Union Jack jacket on. It's like, okay, I get it. You get you want your country represented. So but they're talented guys. So I I get it. But again, lots of heat for Pete Dunn 
is what I may not even I don't even think I mentioned it, which is just another 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 thing about Pete Dunn here is that the crowd very respond very responsive to him. I mean, Pete Dunn has figured out how to get heat from the crowd on top of his style change on, st- on top of his aesthetic and his, his charisma and how all of that has evolved. It's clearly resonating with the crowd, which I think it might even be the most important thing. Um, again, I hate to harp on it. Just feels like a star. This Pete Dunn does. He just soaks in the crowd. Like he's locking in submissions, but he's really taking his time. He like, like he'll, he'll be like standing on Jack's legs about to put him in a surfboard, but he like really just like lets it breathe, like looks out into the crowd just with this look of like, yeah, fuck you might, you know what I mean? Like, and he progresses to do some finger biting and gouging and all that stuff. So really good stuff from Pete Dunn here. Ultimately, Jack Gallagher goes for a corner drop kick, but Pete Dunn moves Rolls him up for a two count with his foot on the ropes. Uh, the ref sees him. And as Pete Dunn is bickering with the ref, Jack comes back and hits the corner, the corner drop kick for a two count. Thought that was going to be it. But Pete Dunn is able to kind of fight back, goes for a low blow with his, he tries to kick Jack right in his Gallagher's, but his watermelons tries to kick Jack in the dick and balls. But Jack catches his foot, locks him in it, locks him in. And Achilles lock for the quick tap out. So Jack gets the win. Looks good. Like I said, a fun struggle of a match. Two just salty British folks here doing what they do best. So Jack Gallagher progresses to the Cruiserweight Classic, joins Zack Sabre Jr. And uh, it's weird to think that Jack Gallagher would go on to have the more significant WWE career as of you know recording this <laughs> like unless Zach goes to WWE at some point which doesn't really seem like it but um so yeah good stuff there we got that happening you know what else we got happening we got some big tasty fuckers happening here the Atlas Championship everybody a new title being introduced uh not the physical title but we got the tournament to crown this first champion the round robin tournament, very similar to the um, the Field of Honor tournament that I've been covering for Ring of Honor. Pretty much the same thing. Two blocks of four people. Round robin, they all face each other. And then I would assume the uh, two winners of each block would face each other. And then whoever wins that becomes the new first ever Atlas champion. And if you're unfamiliar with the Atlas title, it is a... 205 pounds and above championship. So it's, I mean, you can call it the big boy title, but 205 pounds, like that's not, I don't know. Like, I guess I don't know how it evolves over time if it does, but I feel like the weight limit should be more than 205. It should be like at least 250 in my opinion. But as of right now, it's 205. But in this tournament, we got some big boys represented here. So who do we got in this tournament? We, so we got this tournament actually announced at the last chapter, but we got uh, some tournament matches going on here, which we will cover. But let's lay out who's in this tournament, why don't we? So we got Block A, we got T-Bone, we got Big Daddy Walter, we got Dave Mastiff, and a fourth guy, I believe it, Easton Reese, Leaston Reese, I'm not, sure, I'm not sure who the fourth guy is. He wasn't on these chapters, and I had not heard of him, but he that's 
you guys listening, you might know. But if you don't, well, that makes two of us. So uh, in block B, we got Rampage Brown, Joe Coffey, Michael Dante, and Big Damo. So lots of beef in this match, and we got some matches to cover. The first of which, starting out strong with old boy Big Daddy Walter, a.k.a. Gunther, taking on T-Bone here now. Let's talk about T-Bone for a second. So if, you, if, you, if you've watched NXT UK, you've seen T-Bone. I think he went by Tyson T-Bone in NXT UK. And he, he always had like, he had like the, the tank top and the jeans. Like it was very much a brawler. But he had a different vibe here. First of all, he, he comes out. First, he comes out to Nigel McGuinness's Ring of Honor music, which is just sacrilege to me. Uh, fucking in the bushes, I believe it's called. But... He comes out and he looks exactly like Tommy End, <laughs> like like a bit of a beef, like a less lean. He's not fat, but he's just a less lean version of Tommy End here. It was just because he had the tattoo, the tattoos looked very similar, the beard and the hair and the tights. I need to like throw up an image here or something because it was like jarring how much he looked like him. But uh, Tyson T-Bone comes out first progress match. Since chapter nine. So it's been quite a while since he's been in progress. And then Big Daddy Walter, who uh, was in the strong, super strong style 16 and has made a few appearances here and there. Him and Rampage broke the ring. <laughs> um, chapter 23, I believe it was. So awesome, awesome Haas fight here. Walter and T-Bone. He had uh, all of the meat slapping with a hint of high flying. Like uh, that's kind of a theme here throughout this Atlas championship is. These guys are making a point to show that they're not just lumbering big men like they're they're showing the high flying they can do the agility. And you see that with these two guys and you can really see Walter coming into his own here. I talked about it with Pete Dunn ad nauseum. You can say the same thing about Pete Dunn because Pete Dunn or um, Walter in the chapters I've covered beforehand. He was very like a happy go lucky guy comes out in his hoodie and his boop, 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 boop music. Um, he still has the same goofy music, but he's he's kind of, you could see him evolving into the ring general here. He has like the black tights. He has his in-ring style is really his in-ring style and his demeanor are really kind of coming together as far as like what he would end up being really stiff boots and chops from Walter, of course. But uh, T-Bone also showed up throwing out some uh, big suplexes. He body slams Walter. Hits him with a uh, fallaway slam. T-Bone does. Hits Walter with a fallaway slam. Goes to the top and hits a frog splash. For the win. So T-Bone actually gets the win here. I was very surprised. But um, it's almost like they don't know what they have with Walter yet. Like, again, maybe, maybe he ends up winning. I don't know. I don't know who wins this tournament. But to me, man, I mean, Walter is the... Uh, I know he's the future of progress. But it's still interesting to see that he's not quite... In, at least in the eyes of uh, progress itself, maybe not the top guy yet, but he's in this tournament. So we'll see how this progresses forward. But T-Bone gets the win here in this block A tournament match. So that's block A. So now we have two block B matches to talk about here. We got the first of which big demo versus Michael Dante. So it's interesting. It's kind of been a, um, 
they mentioned this on commentary. It's also been kind of a prevailing thing that always comes up with Michael Dante because he was in a team with Tommy End, the Sumerian Death Squad, of course. They uh, lost the TLC match at Chapter 27, which uh, the stipulation was if they lost that match, they could never team together. So the Sumerian Death Squad has broken up in progress, which has left Tommy End to go on his own, which we'll cover later. But it's also left Michael Dante to be on his own. And it's because you don't really hear about Michael Dante a lot nowadays. At least I don't. Um, so I, I was curious to see like how he would, um, what his presence would be like going forward here and sticking him in the Atlas championship tournament, I think was a great move. Big guy. I think it represents what the Atlas championship is supposed to be. So giving him some time to shine on his own, see what he can do as a singles and uh, bringing in big demo here, big hairy bastard to uh, <laughs> be his, his foil here. And I look, you, you know, these just, just beef, man. I, I can tell I'm going to like this Atlas title, man. Cause if you, if we have these, I, I'm a, I'm a sucker for big meaty men slapping me. And it seems like what it's going to be a lot of. So I, I, <laughs> I typed a note here, which I forgot. I typed, I said, shoulder big cock battle so you know like the spot where you guys do where they like shoulder each other like no you go hit the rope there mate you only do it you know what i mean and then they run and then they shoulder each other and they try to knock each other down nobody gets knocked down you know how it goes you've watched wrestling before so that's it's a lot of this this match is but um again guys showing their athleticism you got damo throwing out a drop kick michael dante he gets hit with a drop kick and then Dante kips up. So both guys really showing their athleticism in this match, which I liked. Uh, Damo was able to hit a power bomb, followed by an elbow onto Dante for a two count. Dante ultimately is able to hit the spear out of nowhere for the win. So Michael Dante gets the win here over Damo in a uh, yeah, nothing, you know, Nothing crazy, just a, a sprint, just two guys throwing bombs at each other, which is what I think this match should have been. So good stuff here. Um, by the way, can we just can we stop measuring people in stone? What are we doing here? How many rocks are you? Fucking asshole. But uh, <laughs> 22 stone this guy is. I don't know. man. Measure each other in fucking dildos. I don't know. But outside of that. I enjoyed this. And the final Atlas championship match of these uh, of this month, we got Rampage Brown taking on Joe Coffee block B match. So if you, these guys actually had a pretty fun rivalry in uh, NXT UK towards the end of their run. So very kind of kind of a similar match here from those matches you have. It's very like. Again, like it's two big guys. You got guys throwing bombs at each other as per all of these Atlas matches. So it's similar in that sense. But this one, I will say this is the best Atlas match of this month for sure. It was because at first you also got a lot of good chain wrestling in the beginning because you've, you've seen these other two matches and you're expecting like, oh, it's just going to be another two bulls smacking each other in the tits kind of match. Right. But they, they surprised me. With some some chain wrestling in the beginning, they trade some drop kicks, um, some pretty versatile stuff here in the beginning, and then they they make their way to the outside, 
And they do the spot where each guy is like on the opposite side of the ring on the outside. They like walk to the side of the ring so that they're like on opposite sides of the ring, but like to the side of the ring. And they basically just sprint at each other and just a, a hell of a collision. And they, they fight. Coffee hits Rampage with a pounce, knocks him into the chairs at ringside. You got chop battles back and forth. Very reminiscent of their NXT UK matches, I thought. A really, a really heavy sense of competition between these two guys. A dick measuring contest, for lack of a better term, this kind of felt like. But really fun stuff here towards the end. Joe Coffey goes for his discus lariat, but Rampage kicks it out of the way. But Joe Coffey, he kicks his arm away. But then Joe Coffey just reverses the spin and hits him with a left lariat. Knocks them both down. Rampage is able to fight back with a big splash in the corner. Goes for a second one. Coffey gets his foot up to block it. And does a crazy double jump cross body off the top rope onto Rampage. Joe Coffey hits. <laughs> Joe Coffey locks in a big swing onto Rampage, spins him a few times, and then catapults him into the ring post inside the ring. They're going at it back and forth, two count after two count, kick out after kick out. They're just on the ground, chopping each other. They're on their knees, forearms. They're like laying down prone. They're still just chopping each other's chest, throwing bombs at each other. And then the bell rings, which I don't even think I mentioned this in the beginning. I meant to all of these matches, all of these Atlas title matches have a 15 minute time limit. And Joe Coffey and Rampage meets that time limit. So it's a draw. And uh, I should also mention um, in this tournament, you get two points for a win, one for a draw. So each guy gets one point in this tournament in block B. And uh, yeah, like I said, it's probably the most entertaining Atlas match of this month. Really enjoyed it. And like I said, I can just tell I can. I'm a, I'm a sucker for big, meaty men. You remember me talking about getting double stuff in the beginning. So uh, good stuff there. And we'll see how that progresses going forward. But from big, meaty men. To uh, to women, I guess I don't, don't, don't want to bother coming up with an adjective for that one. But big beefy broads, perhaps I don't know. We got <laughs> so women. So women have not been super prevalent in progress up to this point. They've been on the Endeavor shows, which are kind of the in between, kind of more developmental shows. But on the uh, the chapters, they've only there's only been a few matches so far in the history of progress. But that is changing here with the progress women's championship being announced. Now, how is that first champion going to be crowned? Well, so we got the natural progression series finals coming up, which we're going to talk about later in the episode. Um, and that's the third iteration of the natural progression series. The fourth the fourth natural progression series will be will be occurring shortly. But instead of the men, it's going to be the women. And whoever wins that natural progression series will be the first ever progress women's championship. So and when this was announced, I mean, it was a huge pop because you got to think 2016. We're in the midst of the women's revolution. The four horsewomen in WWE 
are um, you know recent, kind of semi recently debuted. They're still very early in their runs. We're fresh off of Bailey and Sasha. We're you know big time for women's wrestling. That's this is when you have like all the first women's Royal Rumbles and the first Elimination Chambers. Like that, this is the time we're in for wrestling. So the crowd was very hungry for women's wrestling and for a women's championship and really a women's division that can be uh, somewhat established here. So we got the beginnings of that here, which is good stuff. Um, but so night one, chapter 28, we got Tony Storm versus Ginny. So Ginny, if you're familiar, if you're familiar with NXT UK, you've seen Ginny. And of course, Tony Storm, very prominent as of as of this recording is the current AEW world champion. So we got two future stars here. But I will say as of chapter 28. Looking at Tony Storm, it's very clear how much evolving she still has. Like we're talking about like Pete Dunne and Walter, how you can like see them figuring out who they would become and who who like them figuring out what would make them successful. Tony Storm here. Now, while she's still solid, it's, it's you can tell it's a very early iteration of Tony Storm. She she is kind of. I don't want to call her generic, but she's almost like a female Tyler Bate. You know, with the, the cartoonishly big legs, the shitty little boots, kind of a similar style too, in some ways. But Tony Storm still, it's a very early iteration of Tony Storm. But Jenny, whoo, Jenny is a star, dude. I don't know if Jenny is still wrestling, but God damn it, somebody needs to pick her up because she is great. I mean, she, look, here's the thing about Jenny. Now, if you're not familiar with Jenny, She's a, a fashionista, I guess you would say her uh, her character is very uppity, very snooty, has a personal assistant who is Elizabeth, which we'll touch on more here in a second. But Ginny's just great. Like the way she walks out with her nose up, it's like uh, I don't want to. It's like what Charlotte tries to do. It's she's like a more organic version of Charlotte, in my opinion, like. She just comes off like a bitch. Like, that's what it is. You know what I mean? And she just does it really well, really commits to the character 100%, especially in progress, which is a more adult-oriented kind of company. She's, like, getting in the face of fans. She's throwing people's chairs. She's calling people cunts. Like, it's it's great. I love Ginny. Very, very character-heavy, but I think she... She's great for what it is, but the match itself is pretty good. I mean, Jenny is also interesting because like you might look at Tony Storm versus Jenny. You're like, oh, Tony Storm is a bigger star. But in 2016, that was not the case. Jenny was the the top dog in, in progress at this point. As far as far as what I've seen, because I'm not really in tune with the Endeavor. I haven't seen all the Endeavor shows, so maybe there's some context I'm missing. from. But from what I've seen, Jenny is far and away the biggest star in terms of the women. As for, for what progress has at this point, so. And that's kind of represented in this match. And Ginny kind of just dominates for, for most of this match. I mean, just kicking the shit out of Tony Storm. And um, she tells her personal assistant, Elizabeth, to hand her a trash bag. And uh, it's like a trash bag that has like armholes cut in it. So Ginny takes this trash bag, puts it over Tony Storm. It's like armholes and a head hole. So basically, Tony is wearing like a trash bag dress like that. That's how much she's just getting her ass kicked. Like she can't defend it. 
She had Tony has this trash bag over her. She, Jenny's smearing lipstick all over Tony's face. Really demeaning stuff, which was quite entertaining as far as I'm concerned. But Tony makes a comeback. Fights out of it. It's a funny moment where she like hulks out of the bag. She tears it like Hulk Hogan, rips the bag off. Hip attack in the corner. By the way, Tony Storm at this point is her her nickname is ass astonish ass tonishing the astonishing Tony Storm. Her big stupid fat ass is her character, and I love it. Some things never change, but Tony comes back, goes to the top rope, but Elizabeth interrupts, and Ginny is able to hit the facelift. For the win, which is like a rope hung face buster of sorts. Jenny gets the win here, but Jenny is not done. She wants to further humiliate uh, Tony Storm because I guess the trash bag and the lipstick smearing wasn't enough. Uh, she, she tells Jenny tells Elizabeth to cut Tony's hair. She hands her some scissors, but Elizabeth doesn't want to do it. And that's kind of the theme here is that Elizabeth has just, just been treating She's been treated very poorly by Ginny. Ginny's treating her like a slave, for lack of a better term, just abusing her. She tells Liz to cut her hair. Liz won't do it. Ginny gets in Elizabeth's face. She says, I own you. She pie faces her. Do it, she says. But Elizabeth shoves Ginny, shoves her into Tony Storm, who hits Ginny with a pile driver. And then gets the hell out of there. So Liz kind of pseudo turns on Ginny here, I guess. They've been together for a long time from what I understand. So this is a big moment. It's been built up for a long time because Ginny, like I said, has been abusing Elizabeth for quite some time. And Ginny is none too pleased. She she runs. She she once she recovers from this pile driver, Liz and Tony are both gone at this point. She runs into the crowd. She's yelling at the fans. She's telling fans to get up out of their chairs and she throws their chairs. There's one big dude ringside. She like gets in the face of. I don't know if it was a plant or what, but they were like about to come to blows. It seemed like. Um, but yeah, Jenny's very unhinged at this point, which just adds on to the greatness of her character. She's just committing it to it. She just commits to it from start to finish. So love me some Jenny. And. That brings us to uh, night two, chapter 29. Sticking with the women here, we got a tag team match. So this is a scenario where, so on, on one, so it's a tag team match, two people on each team. You know how it goes. So we got Pollyanna on one side, and we got Dahlia Black on the other side. So Pollyanna and Dahlia choose each other's partners, essentially. So they, they don't get to choose their own partners. They get to choose their opponent's partners. So Pollyanna, who, by the way, comes out, it's like a remix of the Game of Thrones theme song. And she has this big the throne with the swords on it. Very. um, A lot of effort into Pollyanna here. She's she's I mean, J- her and Jenny are definitely at the top two. They had the, the street fight at chapter 19, I believe it was. So they're definitely the top two women in the division at this point. But you got Dahlia Black coming out. The South Pacific power couple, her and TK Cooper, they uh, they have sex during their entrance, which is something. Uh, so Dahlia Black 
So she picks Ginny as the partner of Pollyanna. Now, I guess the logic here is that Ginny and Pollyanna hate each other. So if they're on the same team, there's no way they're going to coexist. And then they're going to self-destruct, I guess is the thinking there. Pollyanna. So now she has the opportunity to pick the, uh, the partner for Dahlia Black. She picks Elizabeth. So <laughs> this puts Elizabeth, the personal assistant of Ginny, on the opposite side of Ginny. So... In theory, this forces Liz to face off with Jenny, giving her the opportunity to uh, stand up for herself, I guess, and to kind of come to blows with her uh, owner, I guess. That sounds weird to say. But honestly, the match itself, not a lot to say about it. It's fine for what it is. The story here is Liz and Jenny. I thought there was good tension between them. They didn't start out in the ring. You know, Pollyanna and Dahlia Dolly, Black have some interactions. There's some sequences between the two. They're, it's a kind of a back and forth thing between those two. But there's like this constant tension between Liz and Ginny, which is I think like I haven't. I haven't even been keeping up with Endeavor, like I've said, but I'm really into the storyline between Liz and, and Ginny. I think the tension was very palpable. Um. And Liz ends up beating Ginny with a backstabber. So Ginny loses to her personal assistant, which is uh, huge, especially with the upcoming tournament for the Progress Women's title. You got to think Liz is going to be in that. You got to think Ginny is going to be in that. Dahlia Black, Pollyanna. I sh- I'm sure both of them are going to be in it too, as well as Tony Storm probably. So this kind of ends with everybody just brawling with each other. But a good way to build up everybody for the upcoming tournament is basically the theme here. And then some good story between Liz and Ginny. So a fine match, but good tension between everybody involved. And uh, yeah, good stuff there. Can't wait to see what happens with the old tournament ski. But speaking of tournaments, oh boy, the tournaments <laughs> just keep on coming. We got a finals match for the Natural Progression Series tournament. Pastor William Ever. Versus Damon Moser. So the natural progression series, if you're unfamiliar, it's generally um, newer wrestlers, unex, you know, new to the progress audience. We got uh, William Ever, who is I think both these guys are actually out of the progress dojo or the Prodeo. It's like their performance center of sorts. So two. Newer guys to the scene here, although Pastor William Ever, I mean, we've been covering him. If you've been following my progress reviews, he's been pretty prevalent um, for the past couple of years now. But Damon Moser, a former member of the Origin, too. So there's a lot of they, they've they're, they both these guys have kind of been involved in progress, but this is really their time to shine as singles guys. A solid match here. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say this is match of the night or anything, but for two newer guys, I mean, I thought this was fun. It's it's kind of just a really kind of a sprint of a match, really. I mean, they're kind of just right out the gate. I mean, both these guys start out with European uppercut trading. You got Damon Moser busted out a coast to coast onto onto Jesus for a two count. William Evers throwing planches to the outside. Damon Moser comes back with a knee trembler for a two count goes for a second one, but Jesus reverses and hits a clothesline from heaven for a two count. So they're, they're like throwing out their finishers. Can't finish the other guy off. 
Uh, Jesus goes for the cross power bomb. Mo- Moser counters it into a roll up for a two count. Moser hits the knee trembler once again, but Jesus rebounds off the rope as he falls backwards and hits a second clothesline from heaven for the win. So Jesus, Pastor William Ever, is the winner of the Natural Progression Series, and he will get a progress world title match sometime in the future. Uh, but pretty fun match, fun finish. The, the ending sequence was pretty dramatic, I thought. The rest of the match was, uh, it was fine for what it was. But um, So Jesus wins, gets a little mic time <laughs> after the match, and uh, well, we got some things to work on. But crowd seemed to be into it, which is all that matters, I guess. So Jesus gets the win here. Jesus always wins, as far as I'm concerned. Am I right? Am I right? Or am I wrong, everybody? But after that, let's talk about the progress tag team titles, shall we? So we got the origin. We got who? We got who? Chapter 28, the first night. We got a progress tag team title, no disqualification match. The origin, represented by El Liguero and Nathan Cruz, taking on FSU, the team of Eddie Dennis and Mark Andrews. So it's a street fight. I mean, <laughs> FSU, they come out in like the camo shorts and the tank tops and Lots of brawling on the outside, which if you know me, like I'm not the biggest like just brawling and chaos. Like it is what it is. Like I enjoyed it for what it is, but just a lot of nonsense happening. You got people getting thrown into chairs. You got the shields, a.k.a. the tag team titles. You got those being used as weapons. (laughs) Nathan Cruz brings out a ladder at some point, which I'm like, oh, shit, it's time for this match to go downhill. But uh, luckily, nobody tried to climb the ladder. So they learned from the last chapter. <laughs> um, ladders get involved. People get thrown on the ladders that are set up in the corner. Mark Andrews doing stage dives onto these guys that, you know, in the ring, there's guys hit, having a chair sword fight. Chaos. Drawing pins, as, as you people in Europe like to call it. We know them as thumbtacks. Um, but drawing pins get introduced. Legero goes to tornado DDT. Eddie Dennis into the and Eddie Dennis into the drawing pins. Eddie counters, puts Legero on the top rope. Mark Andrews hits a Frankensteiner onto Legero off the top rope, sending him back first into the thumbtacks. 
Laguero is just a pincushion at this point. Nathan Cruz comes in. <laughs> this made me laugh. So Nathan Cruz, he takes out Eddie Dennis. He takes out Mark Andrews. He sees the thumbtacks and he does. He, he wants no part of them. This Nathan Cruz. So he starts kicking the thumbtacks out of the ring, which like the crowd is set like pretty close to the ring. So it's just sending thumbtacks into the crowd. It seems like fuck them, I guess. <laughs> No, but but it, they, they either like go cascading out of the ring, but for the most part, they're just like spread out all throughout the ring. So you can't like take a bump anywhere without landing in the tax now. Thanks to Nathan Cruz. Lots again, more brawling. You got um, the ref takes a bump at some point. Oh, yeah, because Nathan Cruz and Eddie Dennis, they're like brawling with each other. It's like they're like hockey fighting. Chris Roberts, the referee, tries to get involved for some reason. So but so Cruz and Dennis both send him into a chair that's set up in the corner. He's dead. Uh, Eddie Dennis hits Cruz with a Uranagi. Andrews hits him with a shooting star press. But there's no referee. So they just continue to kick the shit out of each other, I guess. What else are you going to do? Uh, next stop, driver onto the apron, onto Laguero. Eddie Dennis hits Laguero with a powerbomb into the corner where a ladder is set up. Sends Laguero into the ladder, and then they hit Nathan Cruz with a next stomp driver. But this time off the ladder, they hit it, go for the pin, but Laguero pulls the referee, sends the referee into the post, which felt very unnecessary. Um, and the progress doesn't have lots of referees. They have like two or three. So we're running out of referees at this point. Um... Eddie Dennis goes to powerbomb Laguero into the ladder again, but Nathan Cruz back in and erupts with a chair shot to the back. The origin, they hit a concerto onto Mark Andrews. Some ref is back in, makes the pin, two counts. So pretty good drama here at the end. More chair shots. They're just pissed. It's very similar. It was reminiscent to like the WrestleMania 17 main event where Steve Austin is like, God damn it. He's like jamming the chair into the guy's neck and back and very similar kind of finish here. And then they hit a tombstone pile driver. Nathan Cruz hits it onto Mark Andrews onto the chair for the win. So the origin retains their progress championship tag team championship. Like I said, it's kind of all over the place, even the way I describe it. It's just like a lot going on, but I don't know. It felt like a felt like a fight. And that's really all you can ask for for a street fight. I mean, it was as advertised, so uh, it was fine for what it was. But the origin gets the win, which is all that matters. But that brings us to chapter 29. Sticking with the tag team division here, we got FSU and the origin. They're back. But this time it's an eight man tag team match. So we got the origin, which, of course, is represented by Nathan Cruz, El Laguero, Dave Mastiff and Zach Gibson taking on the team of FSU and the London Riots, which <laughs> they've had their wars, I believe, early on in progress. So it was funny to see them teaming up with each other is especially funny to see like the London Riots, like tapping their toes to FSU's theme song. Trying to be menacing and badass, but there's like, oh, let's start a party. At, you know, so FSU and the London riots are out. Then Nathan Cruz and El Laguero come out. 
And they say that Dave Mastiff and Zach Gibson couldn't make it, unfortunately. Airline troubles or what have you. Nathan Cruz calls Eddie Dennis a wonky twat. So which is apparently that was the straw that broke the camel's back for Eddie Dennis. So Eddie, Eddie leaves the ring, charges the stage by himself. I don't know why nobody else followed him. Uh, he gets on the stage and then that goddamn Dave Mastiff, he is there. They bamboozled us, attacks him from the side. Mastiff hits a, like a Finley roll onto Eddie Dennis on the stage, crushes Eddie Dennis to the point where medical has to come out and they bring Eddie Dennis to the back. So he's essentially eliminated for the time being. And then you got Mark Andrews and the London riots are still in the ring. I don't know why they didn't bother helping Eddie Dennis, but in the ring, they're in the ring. Then you got Zach Gibson, who was also there apparently with a cricket bat hits James Davis in the back of the knee with this cricket bat. And then medical takes James Davis to the back as well. So now it's, all of a sudden, the four-on-two split has switched. So you got all four origin guys beating up on Mark Andrews and Rob Lynch. By the way, commentary also adds this caveat to the whole situation. If the origin wins this match, then all four of them get entered into the super strong style 16 tournament that's going to occur at the next chapter. So that tournament's returning, but if they win, all four of them get entered into it. So big stakes there. And uh, on the other side, if FSU or the London Riots win, whoever makes the pin, that tag team becomes the number one contenders for the progress title. So those are the stakes here, ultimately, though. So, of course, the origin has the numbers game. They beat on Mark Andrews for a bit, but Andrews makes the hot tag. To Rob Lynch, who just clears house, hits a belly to belly onto Dave Mastiff, which was really impressive. Uh, but ultimately, the origin, they get the advantage. <laughs> Each of the four guys takes turns hitting their big moves on the Rob Lynch. Then uh, James Davis makes his way back to the ring to try to even the odds. Ends up suplexing Nathan Cruz off the top rope onto a pile of bodies on the outside. Eddie Dennis is back. He's out there like a house of fire. Dude, Eddie Dennis is one of the strongest motherfuckers I've ever seen in my life. He he takes Dave Mastiff, which is a big, beefy boy. Eddie Dennis picks up Dave Mastiff and hits a spinning side slam from like a dead stop. With ease, it seemed like. Super impressive. FSU helps clear house. They do a double dive to the outside. And then the London riots in the ring. I think it's uh, James Davis throws up Nathan Cruz and then Rob Lynch comes in with a spear out of midair for the win. So the London riots get the win here. So that makes them the number one contenders for the tag team titles. So I guess we'll see them versus the origin here coming up soon. But fun match. It seems like the tag division seems like it's just a lot of it seems like the it's like it's like these three teams. It seems like it's been these three teams for like a year or two. You know what I mean? So we need some. I'd like to see some new teams kind of get involved here. I guess the Sumerian Death Squad were involved too, but now they're gone. So, um, tag division seems a bit light, but big fan of the Origin. They could be champs forever, as far as I'm concerned. So that's where we're at with those, and hopefully we get some goddamn titles <laughs> like with the other. With the Atlas Championship and the Women's Championship being introduced, I would assume that would lead to 
title belts being introduced for the tag division. But for all I know, they might give the women like a a big tampon statue for their championship. And then the Atlas, they give like a big like a crash holly scale for the championship. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens there. But we're going to close this bad boy out with the world title. Of course we are. Of course we are. And so we got the champion, the progress world champion, Marty Skrull, who was fresh off of winning that Thunder Bastard match at Chapter 27 and would go on to uh, wrestle Will Ospreay at WrestleCon for the progress title. And he would retain the championship in that match. So at this point, Marty has because what there was like eight other guys, seven other guys in the Thunder Bastard match. So Marty's out here. He's claiming that he's beaten everybody. He's because all those guys he beat in the Thunder quote unquote beat. You know, he came out last and he kind of picked the bones of what was left. But Marty Skrull is claiming that he's beaten everybody. He's even claiming that like that they had to create a new title. They had to create the Atlas division because they're all scared of me. So he's being a bit of a shithead here. But chapter 28, the first night. There's a non-title open challenge. So Marty comes out. He's not going to defend the title on chapter 28, but he's going to lay out an open challenge for anybody that he hasn't already beaten. And there's one boy he has not beaten. Tommy fucking end comes out to answer the challenge. Huge pop for Tommy end. We talked about it a little earlier, how the Sumerian death squad, they just lost the match at chapter 27. So now him, Tommy end, Michael Dante, they're on their separate paths here. We see what Michael Dante is doing in the Atlas division. But now Tommy end is a firm part of the world title division. So we have the open challenge. We have a non-title match, chapter 28. It's very clear watching this match that these guys are very well. They, they, they know each other very well. I don't know how many times they face each other, but it seems like they face each other. They've faced each other a bunch because all the counters the uh, both both these guys are very kick heavy so the way that these guys are just countering each other's kicks they're parrying into their own kicks um pretty smooth sequences between these two guys really fun watch marty eventually kind of gets control of the match gets some good heat with the crowd is countering a lot of tommy end's offense that he tries to throw out to try to make a comeback so Marty's at this stage where he's feeling very confident, feeling like he can do no wrong. He's being very cocky. He's got Tommy end down, does his spin into the chicken wing taunt. He has his arms outstretched. He's ready to just lock in this chicken wing, bring this thing home. And then boom, roundhouse kick to the side of Marty's face. Black Mass, ding, knockout. Tommy End makes the pin, gets the one, two, three. Out of nowhere, Tommy End beats the world champion, non-title, but Tommy End beats the world champion. Pretty quick match for all, you know, for the, um, for, for what it was, but I love the, just the flash KO aspect of it. Just like, how Tommy end can just end a match out of nowhere. So I think that's a really strong foundation of his character, but Tommy end beats the world champion. He takes the title. 
lays the title on Marty's face, which is just a hilarious visual. Um, just it was just so jarring. Like I don't know, I don't know how to describe it. The crowd was losing their minds, and obviously, greatly raises the stock of Tommy End as a singles guy. So, and it's funny because like we just, I just recently covered a Ring of Honor show where Samoa Joe did a similar thing. He is the world champion, lays out a challenge to Homicide, non-title, and Homicide's able to beat Samoa Joe. So it's funny how, like, 13 years of separation, wrestling still is kind of the same in that sense. But um, but that brings us to Chapter 29. So this time, we have a rematch between these guys, Marty Skrull and Tommy End. But this time, the progress title is on the line. So Marty's pissed, or of course he is, right? He was embarrassed. He gets on the mic, he says he's going to knock Tommy the fuck out. Does he accomplish that? Not really, but <laughs> we, uh, we get a really, really fun match here. Kind of similar to their first match. A lot of counters, a lot of striking. Tommy and really, it was very prominent how he was using the Muay Thai. So if, if you're not familiar, Muay Thai is basically kickboxing, but with eight limbs. <laughs> So you got the two legs, two arms, two elbows, two knees. And he's just really, really versatile offense from Tommy End here. Tommy, or, uh, Marty Skrull is desperate for the chicken wing. But Tommy End also has his new, newish, at least in progress it is, a dragon sleeper, but with his arms clasped behind, clasped behind his back, which is pretty sick. We get a spot where Marty, Marty he's kind of starting to get the advantage a little bit. Does his chicken wing chant or his chicken wing taunt? <laughs> Tommy End goes for that black mass again, but this time Skrull is wiser to it. So he's able to duck out of the way and is able to hit Tommy End with a Tower of London out of the corner for a two count. Um, just throwing kicks at the end, really stiff kicks from both guys. Great counters, great back and forth stuff, really good near falls. Marty Skrull ends up hitting like eight super kicks on the Tommy end. Like Tommy's on his knees. Marty will throw a super kick. Tommy will like fade a little bit and he'll rise up and then get hit with another super kick. Just super kicks Tommy end into a puddle, basically. But Tommy end is able to fight back. Hits him with a jumping knee. Hits him with a brain buster for a two count. Marty's able to fight back, locks in the chicken wing. Tommy ends about to tap out, but he's able to fight out of it. They both get to their feet. Black mass once again from Tommy end knocks Marty out. But then the lights go out. <laughs> lights come back on. It's Sabu. No, it's uh, it's Mikey Whiplash. Is here, which I was very confused of because I don't know the history. I don't know how he fits into this e equation, but apparently, according to commentary, I guess Mikey Whiplash was in a faction. I guess the Sumerian Death Squad. I, th I guess he was a part of that, or he was at least with a with him and Dante Legion. I think maybe the faction was called, but yeah, Mikey Whiplash hits Tommy End with a no. He, I'm sorry, Mikey Whiplash hits Marty with a chair, which causes the DQ, which Tommy End wins, but he does not win the title because you can't win the title by DQ, of course. 
Tommy ends pissed him and Mikey whiplash brawl. Mikey's, you know, as you know, security kind of comes out and separates the two. Mikey's yelling at Tommy and it was my time, which I don't know. I guess Mikey's kind of pissed that um, Tommy end is the star in progress and he was kind of left behind. There's also the element where um, when Jimmy Havoc was champion, Mikey Whiplash actually beat Jimmy Havoc at uh, I think it was a download festival show. It was a non-title match. But Mikey beat Jimmy Havoc and never really got a title match after that. So Mikey's kind of pissed that I guess he, he thinks that progress is holding him down is the thing here. And he's taking it out on his boy, Tommy in. So I guess that's a feud going forward. Mikey Whiplash. I'm not super familiar with. I'm not super invested in at this point, but we'll see how, what comes of that. But Tommy end is unable to claim the world title here, but it's fun to see him in this main event spot. Glenn, <laughs> Glenn on commentary is just the other co-owner, Glenn Joseph. He's, well, you ruined a good title match. Oh, he's like getting out of his chair. He's getting in Mikey's face. <laughs> Get out of here, you cunt. Or whatever he says. So, um, But yeah, that closes out chapter 29. I think that about does it. We got um, chapter 30 coming up. Big milestone show. It's actually um, the second iteration of the Super Strong Style 16 tournament. A tournament that's still going on to this day. So we got that coming up. We got um, Mark Haskins is in it. He made he had a promo during uh, chapter 29 that says uh, he wants to earn his way to the title and he wants to do it by winning the super strong style 16. So that's that's my pick so far as of right now for who's going to win that. But we got that coming up, so that'll be fun. But uh, yeah, I think that about does it. That's a lot of progress. Like I said, a lot's going on in this company at this point. Titles getting introduced. New people getting introduced to the world title scene. We got new feuds going. A lot's cooking over there across the pond. But that about wraps her up. I think that's all about that, 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 That's about all daddy has for you today. Well, thank you guys for listening. Make sure to follow at Apron Bump on all social medias, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, Pornhub, all that stuff. Um what else? What else? If you're watching on YouTube, give this bad boy a like. Give me a subscribe. Leave a comment. Hey, if you're listening on all the audio, if you're, if you're listening on, on the audio tubes, give this bad boy a five-star rating. If it's out of five, if it's out of ten, don't give me a five-star rating because that would be very that would be a very poor rating. Um, give me a good rating or a view would be nice as well. All that stuff helps. And yeah. Who doggy? It's a little hot in here. Virginia fucking sucks, man. I, I can feel the humidity from inside. It's making my balls very sweaty. But speaking of sweaty balls, I'm going to go powder my speed bag. Thank you guys so much for listening. I love you all. Big old smooches. I'm hard. Yeah.